Vincent Werbeck's Derby. Evening. Hope you're all doing well. Had a good Sunday. Um, so I wonder what or who are you devoted to? And I've been thinking about this word devoted during this week. And when I think about devoted, I think about it being kind of where your focus is. Um, I imagine if you're devoted to something, to someone, you feel really loyal to them, you love them, um, and it's where probably your mind goes. And I imagine that if you're devoted to something or someone, you see the value in it. So you're not going to give up easily when things get tough. I wonder what fills your mind? Where is your focus this year? Where do your finances go? What is your priority in life? Well, this evening, as Andy's just mentioned, we're going to be continuing looking at the book of Acts. And as we do it today, we're going to be thinking about what it means to be spirit-filled, both individuals and a spirit-filled community here. And we're going to be doing it by looking at the followers of Jesus um, just after he went back up to heaven and looking at the things that they were devoted to. So if you've got your Bible, it might be on one of those many mobile phones which just got waved about. Um, it might be that you prefer looking at hard copy and there's lots on a table just over there. Or if it's easier, then actually be coming up on the screens as well. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 2 and we're going to start at verse 42. And it says... They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love this passage. It's an amazing passage. It's inspiring to hear what this early church was like. And particularly that, that last line where we see that each day people were being added. Each day more people were coming into the kingdom of God. It gets me excited. It gets me excited for what God is, is doing and is going to continue to do in and through Werbs and through the church plant which Andy and Rach are going to be leading. But just to do a quick catch-up on how we got to this place in Acts. So when Phil started it last week, he talked about... So this whole book of Acts, it's um, Jesus has come to earth and he has died on the cross. He's risen again and he's had this short amount of time on earth before going up to heaven. And um, so this book of Acts is all about what Jesus continues to do on earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. But the very first chapter in Acts, the first opening part, Jesus has, is back here on earth having, earth, having risen from the dead. And he speaks to his followers, and he says to them, wait, wait here in Jerusalem, because I've got a gift I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give you this gift to empower you to go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know, Phil talked last week about this idea of ever-increasing circles. So it starts in Jerusalem with this small group of people. Then the impact and the spread of the gospel goes out. And more and more people come to hear this good news of Jesus. 
And so the disciples did what they'd been told. And they waited in this place. And these followers of Jesus, sorry, not just the disciples, they waited in this place. And the Holy Spirit came. And it came upon them in this powerful, tangible way. And that same Holy Spirit, which came all those years ago, is here today. That same Holy Spirit we can welcome into our lives. And God's Spirit used to come on specific people at specific times to do specific tasks. But with the arrival of Pentecost, all that changed. So we're just going to go back a few verses to the beginning of chapter 2 to see what happened on that day of Pentecost. So Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. We see this tangible, powerful presence of God. And as Luke writes about it, he describes it in these different ways. He describes it first of all as this violent, blowing wind. And you know, it was quite windy yesterday. I wouldn't say it was violent, but it was quite windy. And when it's windy, you can see the effect of it. You can't see the wind in itself, but you can see the effect. And that's like God. There's this mighty, invisible power which comes of his presence. It's referred to as well as being fire. And we see with fire again, we see this power, but also this purity, this passion, this passion for Jesus. And then this incredible moment where they started speaking in all these different languages and could understand each other. And that's that reminder that this gospel, this good news of Jesus is for all races. It's for, all, all, for both genders. It's for... Um, it's for everyone. No one is excluded from it. This power of God, this Holy Spirit, who is here today. Because the Holy Spirit comes to do things in the life of individuals. It comes to change things. He comes to transform our communities. And as the Holy Spirit comes, we see this change in the apostles. Often when I think about people in the Bible, I don't know about you, but when I read about them, I think, oh, you know, it, it was all right for them. They've made the Bible. Obviously, they're kind of like super people. It, it's easy for them. And yet, actually, when I read about the followers of Jesus, I suddenly realize they're not that different to me. I don't know about you. But I still have times when I have doubts, or I have times when I still feel afraid, or I have times when actually God asks me to do something and then I don't do it. And the apostles messed up as well. But when the Holy Spirit, when he came to them, we see the change in them. We see this incredible change. And all of a sudden, they have this new courage. They have this new passion. They have this new love for Jesus. Because actually when the Holy Spirit comes and he fills us, it helps us to grasp this love of Jesus, this incredible love which can transform our lives. That is what changed the apostles. And as we grasp this love of Jesus, it what changes us today as well. That is how people were changed 
And that is how we and people outside these walls will continue to be changed. After Pentecost, we see in Peter this disciple who, at the time of Jesus' arrest, he three times denied even knowing Jesus. And then all of a sudden, you see in him this man who stands up in front of this crowd, and he is the first person to publicly speak about Jesus' death and his resurrection. All of a sudden, he has this passion, he has this courage because of the Holy Spirit coming. I, for many years, I was, you know, I was really shy when I was growing up. I was really shy when I was an adult. I remember being in my 30s, teaching in a school and even speaking in a staff meeting when there was about 10 of us, like, took courage for me. But actually, as I've got to know Jesus more, the Holy Spirit has meant that I can stand up today and I can speak, and I can speak of my love for Jesus. But that's because of the Holy Spirit. That's not because of me. And for those of you who've been Christians um, for a while, you have probably or might well have experienced these moments when you kind of really encounter Jesus, when you have those powerful moments when it's almost like this tangible presence. Sometimes you feel it in kind of physical ways or it might be in your emotions. And those moments when you kind of you really feel in your heart and you know that you're loved by God often refer to them as kind of mountaintop experiences. And those, for me, those moments have become significant times in my life. But actually, as we walk with Jesus, we don't kind of just go from mountaintop experience to mountaintop experience, and there's nothing in between. That actually the Holy Spirit also comes to equip us to live for Jesus day by day. Because the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in us, working in the church, It's seeing transformed lives. It's seeing changed communities. And I don't know about you, but I long to see Derby changed. I long to see this city and beyond changed. I long to see more people come to know Jesus. I long to see more people experience that love of Jesus, where it's come and it's transformed my life. That is what I dream of when I think about Jesus moving in Derby, seeing people change and transformed and set free from the things which hold them back. So as we go back to this passage, let's look at those things which the apostles were devoted to and see what we can learn together as a church about them. So we can see that firstly, the apostles were devoted to their love for God They were devoted to God. That early church was a church which was known for loving God. But the reason they loved God was because he loved them. We don't love God and then God loves us. We love God in a response to his love for us. And when we really grasp that love and when we understand how much he loves us, all we can do is love him back in return And when you love someone, actually you become interested in them as well. It's not that you love someone and you don't want to know about them. When you love someone, you want to get to know more about them and you want to become, um, be in a deeper relationship with them. So how do the apostles do that? Well, they devoted themselves, it says, to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves um, to prayer and they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. 
So firstly, to the teaching, to the word of God. So so for those early followers, they wouldn't have had the Bible in the way we had it. Because the New Testament is obviously, it's about them, and it's about the people who came after them. And you can't read about something that's going to happen after you've lived. That's just not how the world works. But they would have had the Old Testament, and they would have learned from Jesus, and they would have heard about things about his time on earth and the things he taught. And as the Holy Spirit comes, they develop this new love for it. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I've struggled sometimes to read the Bible. I can't say that every day of my Christian life I've woken up with an excitement about reading it. But I remember kind of one particular period um, in my life, and I was working for a church quite a few years ago before I was here at Werbs. And I remember other people kind of talking about the excitement of reading the Bible. And one day, I kind of realized that I actually didn't really enjoy it that much. And there was that kind of realization, like, oh my goodness, it's something I'm meant to do every day for the rest of my life. And it just felt like one more thing to fit in. And I kind of felt a bit embarrassed by this. I thought, oh my goodness, I work for a church, surely, if I can't even read the Bible, like, that isn't very good. And I wasn't sure what to do. And so I thought, well, what we're meant to do if we don't know what to do, we pray, we speak to God. And so I just said, actually, Holy Spirit, can you come? Can you help me? Can you, can you change this? I don't want to just read this out of duty. I, I want to read it and have a passion for it like I've heard other people have. And actually, as, as I prayed that, the Holy Spirit did change me. And I started to read the Word of God with this expectation that actually God would speak to me through it, that it would deepen my relationship with him. And I don't know where you're up to right now. I don't know if you started this year and you kind of thought, by February, you can be at least halfway through the Bible. You were going to know it so much better. You'd have been reading it every day, you know, easily because it's a new year and suddenly these habits just fall into place. And if right now you actually feel, again, a bit disappointed, it perhaps hasn't been as easy as you hoped or life has got busy or exams and different things have got in the way. Well, don't worry. You can start again today. February could be the new January. You can give it another go. And I think one of the things that's helped me over the years is is to know it, you know, as I change, develop, as I go through different seasons, that actually sometimes there's different ways of reading it that I find easier. So actually this year, I'm using a different app to what I used last year because I want to read it again and get some fresh eyes on it. So perhaps if you've started this year and there might be an app you downloaded or some uh, Bible reading notes and, and they're just not working for you, then don't give up on it. That'd be my encouragement. Go and, and find a different app. Speak to a friend. Speak to someone else. Say to them, what are you finding is helping you get stuck into the Word of God? If you're an extrovert and you like speaking out loud, then perhaps like grab a friend and say, look, can we do this together? Can together we get stuck into this Word of God? Because as we read the word and we dwell in the word, then it begins to change us and it draws us closer to God. John Stott, who's a theologian, he once said, the spirit of God leads the people of God to submit to the word of God. Let's not just read it, but let's allow it to come in to change us, to transform us as people. But if we're to be a spirit-filled church, if we're to be spirit-filled individuals, then we also want to be praying people. Why? Because if we're in a relationship with Jesus, 
then we need to be speaking to him. And if we're going to speak to him, that's how we do it, through prayer. Prayer is simply coming and speaking to Jesus. And actually, as we pray, it makes a huge difference as well. If we long to see this city changed for Jesus, then that isn't going to happen if we don't pray. We need to be a praying people. Because every time there's been a big move of God, it's come from people who've devoted themselves to praying, who've set aside time to pray. This week at our 7 a.m. prayer meeting, we hold it every week on a Tuesday, there were 17 people here. And that, I'm not an early morning person, and I'd love to say I was one of those people here this week, but I can't because I wasn't. I was still in my pajamas. But that, for me, that shows real devotion. People getting up and praying and being here. And that prayer meeting is open to everyone, and I am determined to get there one Tuesday as well. But I would love to invite you. Why not come along? Why not just set your alarm one day? Come and join us in prayer. Come and join us um, in calling on the Holy Spirit to come and to be changing our lives and the lives of people in Derby. But along with prayer as well, Anna spoke to us a few weeks ago about fasting. I don't know if you were here and you heard it. But she spoke about this idea of giving up something, of giving up something um, so that we can focus more on God. And often we, in the Bible it can be to do with food, but it doesn't have to be food. And for some people, giving up food isn't the right thing to do. But it's just this idea of putting something aside so that you can focus more on God. And actually, as a staff team, when we heard this, heard Anna speak, we were, felt um, that we quite challenged by it. it. It's kind of, we talked about it, and I think for most of us, we'd say that it's not something necessarily we're particularly great at. And we felt that, you know, God encouraging us to fast more. Because as Andy has already mentioned, that actually, when we just made this really small start, we've already seen breakthrough. We've already seen answers to prayers we've been praying And so we kind of really um, want to keep on going with this. So we've decided that every, the first Monday of every month, which you might have clicked is tomorrow, just by chance, that we are going to fast as a team. Um, And some of us will be food, but some people will be fasting from something else. And we'd love to invite you to join us. If perhaps something fasting than you've been thinking about doing, then actually sometimes it's just really helpful to know you're not on your own. And it kind of spurs you on a bit more to do it. So that's going to be the first Monday of every month. We're just going to set time aside to fast and to pray. I know it's probably not the most spiritual reason, but also it's really helpful for me to know that if I'm going to be hungry, other people are. Somehow that spurs me on knowing that we're in it together. So that's going to be something we do. But also as well, we saw that these um, followers of Jesus, that they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And the breaking of bread or the taking of communion is just this moment when in the busyness of life, and sometimes even our church services can be quite busy, but it's that moment when we stop. When we pause, because we want to remember again what Jesus did on the cross. Because we want to come again and we want to thank him and praise him for what he did for us. 
And one way of doing that is coming together as a church family and taking bread and wine and remembering that sacrifice he made. Because actually, everything we're talking about tonight is about Jesus. And all these things, like for me, I'm still on a journey. I I can't say, you know, I'm an expert in praying, I'm an expert in reading the Bible, I'm definitely not an expert in fasting. But I want to keep on learning. I want to keep on growing. And rather than kind of getting frustrated at myself, actually, I want to just keep on saying, Holy Spirit, will you come? Will you help me day by day change and become more devoted to God? And as we do this, um, well, I love maths. I should say that. I love maths. I love a formula. I love things being neat and tidy, and you can work at it, and you can get the right answer. But actually, you know, as we pray and we read the Bible and we do these things, it's not like this set formula that you come to a certain amount of early morning prayer meetings or you fast a certain amount of days, and this happens in this amount of time. But we know that when we pray and devote time to God and do these things, that change does happen that actually as we call on God, that we begin to see him move. And that's what that early church, that's what they saw, that actually as they devoted themselves to God, God moved in powerful ways. We heard in that passage in Acts, just a few of them, it talked about how they were filled with all the many wonders and signs. It talks about them enjoying the favor of all the people, and then about the Lord adding daily to the number who were saved. As we call on God, We see things happen. And then secondly, the spirit-filled church will be one as well, where we're devoted um, to each other, where we love one another. Because we're called not just to believe, but to belong. And we're called not to belong to some organization, but to a family, to the church. And each church, like here at St. Werberg's and other churches, we should be known for love. If we're going to be known for anything, we should be known for loving God, for loving one another, and for loving those outside the church. And we see in these early apostles, we see um, their desire to meet together. They started doing it every day. They had this new love for each other. And yet, I think spending time together, friendship, all those things... It can look so different today. I think not to be negative about social media, but I think it's been one of the real downsides of social media, that that often replaces spending time with people. I was really challenged a little while ago. I was um, chatting with a friend, and you know how when you get together with a friend, sometimes you talk about another mutual friend. And so we were talking about this mutual friend, and they said, oh, you know, have you heard from her? Um, what's going on in her life. I haven't heard from her for ages. And so I started chatting about her life and kind of filling them in. And my friend said, oh, great. So, so, so when, when did you see her? And I suddenly clicked. I actually hadn't seen her for over a year. But because I'd read this stuff on social media, I kind of felt I was in contact. I felt I knew what was going on in her life. But actually, I didn't. Because we all know that the things we put on social media often... There's a whole other story going on underneath. And it really brought me up short because it's so easy to feel that you kind of know what's going on with people because of what you read. 
And actually, when that is kind of the level of friendship, we're missing out on so much. And for myself as well, like actually, perhaps when I'm hurting or finding things tough, it's much easier to hide behind a screen because you can put this face on. And yet when I'm with someone and face to face, suddenly you're a bit more vulnerable or you're a bit more honest. And friendship is about that, isn't it? You know, the word we use here, um, that little phrase, authentic community. And we want to be an authentic community. We want to do life together. We want to get to know each other. And that's not always easy. And that doesn't mean it will always be perfect. And it doesn't mean there won't be times when it's painful. But actually, it's so worth it. There's a couple of stats I read recently, which yeah, are really sad. So the Co-op and the British Red Cross, slightly funny combination, but that they've revealed that over 9 million people across the UK of adult ages. So they feel lonely either all the time or most of the time. That's more than London. And there's another one, the BBC have done a survey of 16 to 24-year-olds. So the age category, lots of you come in, and 40% of people say they feel really lonely. Actually, again, most of the time that they feel detached from the world, that there's no one for them to speak to. Our society is crying out for a real community. Let's do all we can here at Werbs to be that community with the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit can create that for us, but then decisions and the time and the effort we put in is what cultivates it. There was something amazing going on in this early church, but again, it wouldn't have been a perfect church. It wasn't like it was filled up of ideal people. It was filled up of real people. And I'm sure there were times when they felt frustrated with their leaders. I'm sorry when we frustrate you. Or when people irritated each other. But they chose, they made that decision to stay devoted, to keep on meeting together. And it's so worth it. Jesus knew, well, Jesus always knew what he was doing, but he definitely knew what he was doing when he put us together in community. He knows that we need each other. I, am, I love an open fire. When I meet up with friends in pubs, and if they find the pub, they just know in wintertime it has to have an open fire for me. Uh, and because there's something really attractive when you, or it kind of draws you in when there's lots of logs all burning together and there's huge flames. But it always surprises me as well how easy it is to put the fire out. What do you do? You just separate the logs. You separate the coals. And I think it's the same for us as believers, that actually when we try and go it on our own, because somehow it feels easier than being part of a community, actually it's amazing how quickly it is that those logs go out, that actually it's amazing how quickly it is for us perhaps to drift away from Jesus. We need each other. Let's keep on meeting together. And then also, as we join together as well, we can achieve so much more. Mother Teresa, who I think was a very wise woman, she once said, you can do what I cannot do. I can do what you cannot do. Together, we can do great things. But I would just like to add, plus the Holy Spirit, together us, with the Holy Spirit, we can do great things. 
And this moves me on to my third and final point. So we're devoted to God, we're devoted to one another, and then we're devoted to the world as well. We're devoted to the people outside these walls. I think Andy, well, I know Andy prayed earlier for those places we go tomorrow morning, that as we leave here and we go out to our uni, to work, back to our families, that would make a difference there. Because apart from a very few of us who happen to work here, so our office is here, so we do spend a lot of time here, even if you come to two or three things at WERBS during the week, the majority of your time, the higher percentage, is outside these walls. And that's really good news, because we need to be out there. We need to be out there in the world. Because this early church, it was this church which grew. And when I think about that, I'm sure one of the reasons is because the way the people were living was attractive. That the things they were doing, it it made people interested, it made people intrigued. And they'd come along then and hear the good news of Jesus. We see this group of people who were generous in what they did. They were generous in their possessions. They loved people more than the things they had. And one of the things I loved, um, there was lots of things I loved about Christmas at Worbs. It was a lot of fun, wasn't it? It feels ages ago already. Well, one of the things that really stirred my heart was was the way that as a church, as a church family, you were so generous. So for the different causes we had, for the children who have been looked after in care right now, um, to all the different organizations, that actually you came and you gave so much. We want to say again a huge thank you for that, a huge thank you that your generosity is made to others. But actually we want to keep on going with that. We want to keep on learning what it means to be a generous church. And so we're kind of at the early stages of this, but we've got one way, like a way of starting. And we've got these really lovely boxes that Liz Bateman put together. And at the moment, we've got three of them. And it's simply this idea that you could bring, if you might have something at home which is spare, or perhaps when you go shopping this week, you might choose to buy one or two extra items. And it's things like toiletries, so um, soap, shower gel, toothbrushes, toothpaste. I think another of them, it says it's for gloves and hats and scarves. And there's one which is for things like tea bags and notepads and pens and mugs. And the idea is that we'll collect them together so that if anyone turns up at the church and they need one of these things, that we've got them there readily to give to bless people. And amazingly, that's already happened in the past few weeks, that different people have turned up. And it's just felt such an amazing thing to have some things behind the info desk and to be able to say, it's such a small thing, but to say, actually, here's some shower gel or Here's a notepad. And so we'd love to keep on gathering these things. Like I said, it's just like very early days. It's just the beginning of what we're going to be doing. We're we're hoping to expand this idea, but we'd love to start somewhere. Another thing that Mother Teresa said was that um, you can do kind of small... Lost it. Let me find it before I get it before I get it wrong. She said, this is better, we can do no great things, only small things with great love. It doesn't have to be this massive action, but actually if we do it with a great love, then it's going to make a difference. 
And it's why here is a church that we want to keep on working with our refugee friends, our friends who right now are facing some real struggles. It's why that work is so important to us. It's why we want to keep on supporting people like Gav and Sally as they do just ice. Because as a church, we care what is going on in the world. And we want to, wherever we can, be a church which is practically helping But alongside that as well, we want to keep telling people the good news of Jesus because we want people to experience that transforming love that many of us have experienced. And there's different ways we can do that, but one of the ways we've chosen to do it as a church is by um, running the Alpha course that Andy mentioned earlier. And that's going to be starting this Wednesday. And we'd love you to be praying for it, praying for the people coming on it. But actually, also, if you're here tonight and perhaps you don't know Jesus, that you've heard me talking about Jesus, and you're thinking, I don't know what you're talking about, about this love that I can experience, then it's not too late. Come along, sign up, would love to see you there. Or perhaps as well, every time we've mentioned Alpha, you know, there's someone on your heart and you think, oh, if I just had the courage, I'd love to invite them it's not too late. You've still got a few days left, and actually they can join week two or week three, so you've even got a couple of weeks left. I've been continually inspired by our students, because you guys are amazing. You are amazing at inviting people and telling your friends and encouraging them to come along. And actually, there were days when I wish I had the courage you had, because you just seemed to be out there doing it. So keep on going. Keep on inviting people along to things. Because the great news is, is that the gospel hasn't changed. The power of the Holy Spirit, which was around in those early days, that power of the Holy Spirit hasn't diminished. And actually, as we continue to devote ourselves to God, to one another, to the world outside, then I believe that we'll keep on seeing God moving. We've seen God do incredible things here at Werbs over the last few years. But I believe the best is yet to come. I believe there is so much more. We've just started our third service. We've got our first church plant coming up in a few months' time. But again, I think that is just the start. There is so much more that God wants to do in us and through us so that we can play our part in seeing this this nation transformed. But actually, the place it starts is where I started at the beginning. It's about us knowing the love of Jesus. It's because as we know this love, as we're filled up again with this love, then it can't help but spill out. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. The oldest prayer of the church is simply, come, Holy Spirit. And we're going to ask him to come and again to fill us with that love of Jesus to equip us, to empower us, to go out and to make a difference.